Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1.34 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. And now, Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton area locations go online at royalpizza.ca or download the royal pizza app from the app store all right so here's the deal uh we haven't had any live professional sports for the last 60 plus days with the exception i guess of uh the mixed martial arts stuff that's been out there um and everybody seemingly is talking about michael jordan's last hand so i thought to myself who would understand uh basketball better maybe the psyche of the athlete and 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 would have a connectivity to Edmonton and is also a highly opinionated guy who at times was questioned for the very tactics that he used to be a successful coach. And the answer, Don Horwood. Three-time coach of the year nationally in the country, uh, five-time Canada West champion head coach at the University of Alberta, and most impressively, he won three national championships often with teams that would not have been considered uh, amongst the three most talented teams in the Canada West, let alone in the country. We welcome back to Oilers now, former Golden Bears basketball coach and joining his retirement out on the left coast, the one and only Don Horwood. Hello, Don. How are you doing? Hey, Big Bob Stoffer. I'm doing well. How are you, big guy? Oh, I'm all right. Uh, I'm all right. I, you know, I've I got to tell you, I've been and we we had a conversation before this, but uh, the Jordan documentary has been fantastic. But one of the comments that we hear most often, in, 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 man, was he ever hard on his teammates? Was he driven? Uh, you know, some people are like, is that acceptable to be riding your guys that hard? I'd like to get your thoughts on what you've seen in the documentary and maybe uh, what you think about his deportment overall. Well, number one, for the people who make comments like that, what do they think goes on inside a professional uh, hockey player, football player, basketball player, uh, 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 soccer player, 
baseball, whatever you want to call it. What, is, what do they think goes on in that locker room and around those major, major talented players with huge egos? How could they possibly be surprised by anything that was in the Michael Jordan? Uh, as a matter of fact, my comments would be because Michael Jordan had the last veto on that, there's stuff that probably did not get shown that would probably be even worse. Hmm. Um, now, Bob, I just had you quiet for the first time in my life I've ever heard you speechless. Uh, well, that, that, that is interesting because I think it's been I think it's been pretty refreshing, and maybe it's just the deployment of the multiple curse words that appear in the documentary. Like he hasn't held back in his and I, hey, if you if you saw his retirement speech, he didn't hold back. That was an atypical, uh, you know, when he went in went into the Hall of Fame. That was an atypical Hall of Fame speech as well. He has a lot of fire, and he is super driven. Now, let me ask you. Do you think he had to be that way with his teammates because of maybe the personality of Phil Jackson, Don? Well, you know, uh, very interesting. When I, when I watched it, and I, uh, of course I've seen the whole thing, but when he was talking about, you know, you have to pay a price to win. You have to be willing to pay a price to win. And most people don't understand that, and most people can't grasp it if they haven't been in that extreme competitive environment. When you're playing a top-level sport, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's uh, you know in the NBA or whatever, as we've talked about before, you, to compete at that level, you have to be driven, and there is a price to be paid. When I started coaching 41, I coached for 41 years. I started at high school. And very, very early in my coaching career, I decided that winning was important. And, of course, the mantra in the school system was, well, winning's not important. You're trying to teach people to become young men and so on. And that is true. But winning is still important. So part of the... the Teaching them to win is also teaching them how to win, how to make sacrifices, what price you have to pay in order to be successful. And as you mentioned when we talked yesterday, yes, I drove my players. I drove them hard. As a matter of fact, uh, I worked them really hard. The guys that survived it were winners. The guys that couldn't deal with it, of course, they didn't, they didn't survive it. They had, they had to quit or they had to move on. And I remember speaking at a high school coaches clinic back in the, in the late 70s, and I was a speaker, and I was explaining to them what I asked my high school players to do. We had to run cross country. They had to lift weights. They had to do masses of running in practice. Every drill was competitive, so the losers had to run. And there's nothing you can ask the high school players worse to do than make them run. So we always had it competitive. And I told this at the, at the coach's clinic. And a coach came up to me after the clinic, and he said, Don, he said, I don't know how you get players to do that. He said, if I, got, if I tried to make my players do what you got your players to do, he said, they would all quit. And I, you know, chatted with him a little bit, and I walked away, and I thought, that's why we kick your ass all the time. I don't want players who are going to quit. I want players who are going to fight, who are going to work, who want to be champions. And I believe that that has to come from the coach if you don't have a player that's that driven. And I think in the Bulls' circumstances, Phil Jackson was so laid back that unfortunately Michael Jordan had to take on that role. Now, he might have taken on the role anyway. Right. Hard to say because that's his personality. But with Phil Jackson being laid back, somebody had to make those guys work, and he knew what the level of, of, of uh, output 
had to be, what the desire and the intensity had to be in order to be an NBA champion. He saw it from the Pistons, the Detroit Pistons, who pushed him around and, and battled him and punched him and did everything else to, to maintain their championship. And he saw it from the Knicks. And so Michael Jordan knew what it took to win, and he wasn't satisfied being second best. He wanted to be the best, and he wanted to win. And so, yes, there are, th- there are things that come in that territory at that level that that drive athletes and that some athletes have difficulty dealing with. And I think in Jordan's case, because Jackson was so laid back, I think he took on that role, which, as we've just said, he may have taken it on anyway. It might have been his personality. Right around the time, Don, uh, Don Horwood joining us, longtime U of A basketball coach, now retired, uh, the most successful basketball coach the university's had. Uh, you won three national championships in, in, a, in a conference where, you know, Victoria, I think they'd won like seven titles in a row. They had all, put it this way, you weren't going to get the best kids in Western Canada at the U of A when you came here, right? So you were going to have to do it differently? Is that fair? Oh, absolutely, yes. Absolutely fair. We could not recruit the best players. First of all, the best players went to the U.S. Then the second best would stay at home at UBC or U of Vic or Simon Fraser or wherever at that time. So, yeah, we would get what I would call at the time, uh, you know, the second or third level players. And, of course, a lot of them turned out, turned out to be pretty darn good players for us. How did you, So was it purely instilling work ethic and commitment? That that's how you're able to evolve that program, and and it didn't happen overnight for you. I, I you know I think you guys won in ninety four ninety five. What was the first year you came to the U of A? Eighty one, eighty two. No, it was ten years earlier. I came in eighty three, eighty four. So it was okay, exactly eighty three years later. Okay. It's interesting so, you brought that up. So here's a guy. Here's a guy. A name you will remember, but and few of your listeners will remember because they're all hockey people. But yeah. the guy's name is Sean Cherzenoff. Sure. Yep. Unchersenoff was their point guard back in the 80s. Late 80s, yep. in fact, uh, became ranked number one in the country with Sean as their point guard, Dave Young as their shooting guard, Rick Stanley was on the team, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, and Mike Kornack was our leading scorer and, and maybe our top name at that time when Sean came in as a rookie. Sean Chersenoff was Michael Jordan. He was in players' faces, as they say now. He was in their grill constantly. And he, would, he went after Mike Kornack. Mike was the star. And he comes in as a freshman, and he's going after Mike. For, I can't remember what it was. I have no idea. It was in practice. But he didn't back down. And, and for, from that day on in, in, in our team, Cherzenoff ruled. And he did that till today he graduated. And as you know, two years ago, he was inducted into the U of A Sports Wall of Fame for his contribution to, to men's basketball. But I guarantee you right now, John Cherzenoff was Michael Jordan, smaller, not as talented, but he was definitely that personality. And you could talk to Dave Youngs or you could talk to, to Rick Stanley or, or, uh, or Mike Kornack or Mike Suderman or any of those guys from that time, and they'll tell you Cherzenoff was just like that. Do you know what I recall, Don? I re- like you know I started doing some stuff behind the scenes at ITV in the late '80s, and would be down watching your. Pra- and I was in shock. Like you watch Claire Drake's practices and Bill Moore's practices, and and, and of course they had the advantage because they had most of the best players. But you didn't necessarily have most of the best players. But your practices were loud. Uh, they were aggressive, assertive. Um, you occasionally push the envelope with language that I, I that, that is fine for any guy that played sports, but I think it would take other people by surprise. And the other thing that happened a lot in your practices, 
there was a hell of a lot of fighting in your like guys would you know you had Brian Halsey and Eddie uh, Joseph and Eddie Joseph was drafted by the Edmonton Eskimos without ever playing football at the U of A. Uh, was that just an illustration of the competitiveness and how you had to drive your group to to maybe make up for uh, a talent differential that maybe schools like UVic and UBC had? Yeah, absolutely, Bob. You nailed it right on. Uh, you nailed it right on the head. It was exactly that. See, I felt from day one I was preparing my players always to be champions, and to, to get them to be champions, you had to take them to a place they'd never been before. I mean, if you've never ever won, if you've never been a champion, then you don't know what it takes to be a champion. And most human beings will always look for the easy way out. That's just a characteristic of what we're like. We'll just look for the easy way. Well, there isn't an easy way to be a champion. There's too many other guys who want to be a champion. So, yes, to get players to understand that, I had to drive them. How do you get them to be, uh, how do you get a, a practice to be competitive enough so that when we get to the game, the game seems easy compared to the practice. Well, you had to make the, play, the, the, the practices competitive. So every single drill that we ran, I always tried to make it so that the losers had to pay. There was some price. Usually it was running, because that, that's the one thing guys at that age hate doing. So we'd make them run if they lost. And we always kept score, and we always kept points. And no matter what drills we did, because it, I always wanted them to be going at top pace. And you can't do that by just saying, oh, that's fine, you're doing fine, that's okay, yeah, you're, that's nice, yeah. You, you have to drive them. And if you're going to be in competitive sport and you want to win, you have to do that. So now you might have a whole bunch of people say, well, I don't think winning should be that important. Well, that's fine, but if you're playing at the, at the Olympics or if you're playing at the NBA or you're preparing to get into the, to, the, to the top level of whatever sport it is, you have to be prepared to compete for that. There's other people who want that. So if you're not prepared to compete for it, nobody's going to give it to you. Don, when you went back-to-back in the mid-'90s, were those teams uh, – Would you? I mean, some have called you a grinder – were those teams? Were those teams the physical? I mean, the, the team you had that won in 2 You had Robbie Valprada, uh, Phil Shear. You guys had a lot of talent on that. You might have had a top three talent team in the country, kind of like Carlton is every year now. Uh, but those teams you won in '94, '95. No disrespect to those teams, but I don't recall them. You, you weren't the Brandon Bobcats in terms of physical talent with those teams. Is that fair? I think that's very fair, and I think, you know, some of the players might disagree with that, but I think most of them are pretty realistic, and they understand that individually, you know, a lot of them wouldn't have measured up with most of the players across the country. But together as a team, pulling together as a team and the kind of leadership they had. Now, see, they, that, that was a, a, a change over a year. We had a, a bunch of guys that graduated, and we had a bunch of new young guys like, like Greg DeVries and Murray Cunningham and Scott Martell and Clayton Pottinger and Greg badger they were kind of became their team and they had the kind of mentality that they wanted to win they believed in in the principles that uh it's necessary to pay a price and they were willing to pay that price so they there was a different kind of leadership with them and so they 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 took on that role and they of course uh became champions but with that like you say but they accepted the fact that they had to grind it out there was not going to be an easy way no games were easy for us and they took that on and they took pride in that 
And you almost won three in a row, as I recall. Don Horwood, longtime U of A basketball coach. So you're enjoying this. Uh, I know your son, Chris, did a documentary on your uh, last year coaching, which was in 08-09. We've just tweeted out a, a link to it. Um, do you think you can coach kids the same way today that you coached throughout the majority of your career at the U of A? Well, it's a great, great question. I mean, when, when I was a high school coach as well, it's, it's a good question. I don't really know, to be honest with you. I kind of think you could. Um, I still think players, uh, I still think they're human beings. Players are human beings at high school and at college and at professional level, and they want to succeed. And, and the best ones know that they need help to succeed, that they don't have all the answers and they need somebody to help them. And I think uh, players can accept a coach who will work them hard if they know that that coach cares about them and cares about what they're trying to accomplish. Another example that I, I wanted to bring up for you, because I thought about it after we had our conversation. I mean, you'll remember this, and most of your listeners will remember this. Think of Billy Martin and the Yankees. I mean, could you have ever had a more combative manager in baseball than Billy Martin? Right. No possible way. Like, he was fighting with, with uh, Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Um, Reggie Jackson in the, in the locker. And, I mean, he had fistfights with his players. I mean, you know, the talk was they hated him. It was almost like they pulled together as a team because they hated Billy Martin. So, you know, there's lots of different ways to be successful. And there are lots of ways that, that teams can, can use things to motivate themselves. And lots of things coaches can use to motivate players. There's no one particular uh, answer to all of those questions. Whether or not players can be uh, uh, coached like that today, I still think they can. I mean, when you look at some of the greatest coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi, Mike Dick, uh, uh, you know, uh, guys. John Wooden? Pardon? John Wooden? John Wooden, well, yes. I mean, you know, John Wooden ran a pretty disciplined ship. I mean, I, right. I don't know how much you've read about John Wooden, but John Wooden ran a very disciplined ship. And uh, there were lots, lots of things went on there that most people don't know about. Um, I don't know. Do you know the story about when they used to have their banquet at the year end? And uh, they would, you know, they had a big banquet for the UCLA Bruins basketball, and they get up and they get their awards, player of the year, rookie of the year, that sort of thing. And, and all the alumni would come and pay, you know, for the, for the dinners and everything. And one year, one player got up, and he was a player who didn't play very much, and he just laced into John Wooden for being a hypocrite, for saying all these things about family and that team wasn't a family and there was all this uh, fighting and all this in stuff going on and the way he was treating his player. He went this at the banquet. This kid did. You could look, you'll find it on the Internet somewhere, wow. I'm sure. And uh, anyway, uh, they canceled the banquet after that year because of this guy's tirade because they didn't want to open that up to – you know, other people doing that. I mean, he was wrong to do it at that time, but that was his frustration. Anyway, all I'm saying, all I'm trying to say is here, in all of these competitive circumstances, there are a lot of, of, of very, very diverse personalities. For instance, you know, Pippen came, comes across pretty good in this documentary. And, yeah. I, and I like Scottie Pippen, but I mean, he's got some personality flaws, as we, t as was shown when he sat out because uh, unbelievable you know, he back in because the play wasn't called for him. It was unbelievable. Like to me. Was out. 
it was I remember that yes i remember i was shocked i was like you right. gotta be kidding me check well, your Scott ego at the door was a nice guy i mean he wasn't you know everybody yeah. thought he was a nice guy he, he went to houston after his contract was up and he i think they they signed him for two years or three years for 60 some odd million dollars and i mean every single player in houston hated scotty pippen right and they hated him because he comes from the Bulls and he was treating them like second-class citizens because they didn't know anything. They didn't know how to win. They couldn't do anything. And, and they all hated him. As a matter of fact, he only lasted in Houston one year before they shipped him off to Portland. And, I mean, here's a guy who's a nice guy in, in, in real, relatively speaking, yeah. nice guy in every respect. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But in the in a specific circumstance, even nice guys aren't nice. So there you go. It, it, Don, awesome stuff. Love the energy. We're going to do this again. Uh, thank you for your time. Say hi to Jill and, the, uh, and your boys, okay? Hey, Bob, always great. Love to hear from you. Thank you. You bet. That's uh, Golden Bears basketball coach, Edmonton sporting icon Don Horwood. I know Ray Turchansky from the Edmonton Journal once said that Don, uh, after Bill Hunter passed away, uh, Mark Spector and myself asked Ray, uh, who covered uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings, in fact, even tried out for them back in the day, uh, has there been a guy in the Edmonton sporting uh, market that sort of resembled... um, Bill Hunter, and he said, well, Don Horwood has been a barnstormer like Bill Hunter and tried to get people interested in his sport, and he often did that on John Short's show back in the day. Brent Ridge Ford of Otaskawin focused on your health and peace of mind. Right now, they're offering special discounts to those battling the COVID-19 pandemic on the front lines, including Canadian Forces personnel, first responders, professional health care workers, pharmacists, pharmacy techs. Find out more about how Brent Ridge is built to lend a hand. You can reach them at 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. And you can go and see uh, Uncle Milt, Rich, and Johnny and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford. For all of you that are maybe opening up your businesses today, uh, just, uh, hey, uh, best of luck on that front. I know these challenging times for everybody. And we're going to go to this day in Oilers history. And here's Brendan Escott. Big one on this day back in 1985. The Oilers outshoot Chicago 51 to 23 and beat the Blackhawks 10 to 5. They go up 3-2 in the Campbell Conference Final. Wayne Gretzky, Paul Coffey, each with a goal and three assists in front of the crowd at Northlands. Glenn Anderson, Yari Curry, Charlie Huddy, all with a pair of goals and a helper. All right, uh, tonight inside sports with Reed Wilkins uh, from seven to eight of the Global News Hour six to seven tomorrow. Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers 
another coach that some might say is old school and also was a huge part of Canada's victories in the 84-87 Canada Cup, Brent Sutter. We'll talk a bit about uh, those Canada Cups, but also a bit about how the Western Hockey League is going to be dealing with things moving forward. And Jack Michaels, my play-by-play partner from the Oilers Radio Network. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jayla and I. Have a terrific Thursday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.